This episode is brought to you in part by Richmond Graduate University. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly. Richmond Graduate University can equip you to become a licensed professional counselor, integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. Welcome to the Christianese Podcast. My name is Drew Fitzgerald, and this is Episode 1, Christianese. Hello and welcome to Christianese. I'm your host, Drew Fitzgerald, and I've got my podcast. It's official. I'm a basic millennial. But I don't think this is going to be a normal podcast. This isn't going to be a series of rants or raves or freeform conversations. This podcast is going to be a little bit more mapped out, a little bit more focused, and there's going to be a little bit more production value in it. Each episode, we're going to look at a different Christian phrase, idiom, or theological term that Christians use a lot and try to figure out what we mean by that and how we should use that phrase. And through this, I really think we can find clarity, authenticity, and reveal astounding beauty within Christian theology. But I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. I think I should let you know my story. The setting, Little Rock, Arkansas. The late 80s. Normal suburbia. I was raised in a family with an amazing mother and father, the second of four children. We went to a small church with a straightforward name, the Bible Church of Little Rock. And we were always in church at least once a week. My dad was a deacon there and even preached on Sundays. In junior high and high school, I was heavily involved in youth group. Part of me felt like I was about to say drugs, but no. In junior high and high school, I was heavily, heavily into youth group. In college, I volunteered with ministries. And after college, I went to seminary, got a degree there, and then immediately went back to my college town with a friend to plant a church. All that background is to say that I am heavily involved in Christian culture. I'm fluent in Christian culture. And really, Christian culture is its own thing. It's not a counterculture within the American society. It's a mirror culture of American society. I went to school with a kid who had a t-shirt that said Ford built Ford tough. But my t-shirt said Lord built God tough. We took being in the world and not of it to mean it's okay to just copy society as long as you put Christian trappings around it. For example, 1988. This is Public Enemy song Bring the Noise. It'll probably come as no surprise that evangelical Christians didn't flock to their record store to pick up Public Enemy. But hip-hop was the new thing, and we wanted to do the new cool thing in society, so... If you grew up in the Christian world, you know exactly who that is. It's DC Talks, Love is a Verb. I can remember dancing to that song in my living room as a kid and knowing every single word. But as I got older, I noticed that we had this mirror culture. And cynically, I wrote it off as a lack of creativity. It wasn't until much later that I realized that something significantly deeper and more sinister was going on. 
One day, my friend and I, who at this point are leaders in ministry, went out to lunch with one of our pastors. My friend was praying for the meal and asked that God would bless the meal and bless us. It's a prayer I had heard thousands of times and said probably hundreds. But when he was done, the pastor looked at my friend and said, What did you mean by bless? How exactly do you want God to bless you and bless this meal? And I was really thankful that he asked my friend that question, because I didn't have a good answer. That question started one of the more formative conversations I had during seminary. Because after that, my friend and I started to notice all of the strange idioms, phrases, cliches, and even empty terms that we Christians use. What my friend and I realized is that we, Christians, had taken objective theological spiritual words with black and white meanings and created a nearly impenetrable subjective language guided by feeling and assumptions. Instead of saying that we wanted to hang out with somebody, we would say that we wanted to fellowship. Instead of encouraging someone, we would pour into them. Instead of trying to date a girl, we would pursue her. We realized that our generation's quest to put Christian trappings on American culture had led us to think that all there was to Christianity were the trappings. We had the forms and the feeling, but no substance to fill it in. We're perfectly fine with talking about how a sermon sanctified us, just don't ask us questions about what exactly we mean by that. In Matthew chapter 15, Jesus says, out of the overflow of your hearts, your mouth speaks. That means that your words give an intimate picture of who you really are. And in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus says, we will give an account for every worthless or careless word that we say. So if our words expose who we truly are, and our spiritual language is undefined, inauthentic, obscure, what does that say about us? So what do we do about it? Well, there is one prevailing answer that you can find just about anywhere. One remedy to cure this nasty disease. If you go online right now, you can find literally dozens of blogs with the 10 things that Christians need to stop saying. The top five weirdest phrases that Christians use. Three reasons why you should stop using overly spiritual language. The message is, if something is weird, or something is potentially confusing or overly theological or spiritual, we should stop saying it. The remedy is similar in print. If you were to do a search for the word Christianese in recent Christian publications, you would find it in a variety of texts. Christianese pops up in preaching textbooks, books on teaching parents how to relate to their teenagers, devotionals, and even guides for Christian online dating. And every single one says the same thing. Much of what is said in American churches is so laced with Christianese that the average person would have as hard of a time understanding us as you and I would in understanding scientific papers on theoretical physics. What is clear online and in print is that Christianese is a Christian in-speak that is primarily exclusive, inauthentic, insincere, and essentially undefined. And we need to get rid of it. Because it's confusing, it's putting people off. We need to sterilize our language from any sort of religious, overtly theological, or confusing spiritual terms. That way, we can be authentic when we talk about our faith with Christians and understood when we talk to people outside of the church. Sterilization is the cure. Well, even though it's a popular remedy, 
I think it is absolutely the worst remedy. In fact, it's a kind of impossible remedy. Let me give you an example to illustrate my point. I want you to describe the presidential election to me, but I'm not very political. So please, when you describe the election to me, don't use any political language at all. Go. It's extremely difficult, isn't it? Not only is it extremely difficult for you to do, but I don't think that I will have a clue what is actually going on in the election. Because we have specific words to describe politics. And when you sterilize your language from those words, you restrict your ability to be clear and accurate. Sterilizing our language is like playing an unnecessary and overcomplicated game of catchphrase. I neither think it is beneficial nor possible to sterilize Christian language. Instead, I think we need to pasteurize our language. So, this will seem random, but think of milk. Since time began, milk has been one of the most nutritious of all foods. Composed of proteins, butter fat, carbohydrates, calcium, and a complete assortment of all the vitamins required by man. Truly a wonderful gift from nature. Milk is a basic beverage. It's the first form of food that any mammal has. When we think of milk, we think of something that's really safe and enjoyable. It's healthy, nutritious, and it's easy to drink. Your best food investment that means health and strength. Milk and milk products such as ice cream, America's foremost and favorite delicacy. But did you know that according to the Center for Disease Control, milk is the most dangerous food product in the world? Milk is responsible for three times as many food-related hospitalizations than any other food product. And I'm not just talking about food poisoning, which is bad enough. Milk can transmit salmonella, E. coli, diphtheria, scarlet fever, and even tuberculosis. Those are diseases you only hear about in novels from your American lit class. It's crazy to think that milk could be so dangerous. So why don't we think of it as a dangerous thing to consume? Because of Louis Pasteur, a French scientist and global hero who figured out that just heating milk up kills all those nasty microorganisms that make milk sour quickly and spoil without changing the taste. The only thing it takes to turn the most dangerous food product in the world into the most amazing and delicious food group that we have is a little bit of heat. So when I say we need to pasteurize our language, all I'm saying is that we need to put a little heat, a little pressure on the words and phrases that we so candidly use without really understanding what they mean. I don't think we can sterilize our language. There's not a word that can replace sanctification or atonement. We can't stop calling Jesus the Messiah or calling sin, sin. Ephesians says that we should speak to each other in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Jesus didn't stop citing the Old Testament because Romans may not understand it. Instead, he was clear to say what he meant and to mean what he said. And we should do the same. Yeah, there are nasty little bits of language that we really need to identify and test. And there may be some phrases that we use all the time that we should get rid of because there's no redemptive quality to them. But for the most part, especially in the upcoming episodes, when we stop and really look at some of our Christianese, 
we realize that we aren't using the terms as we should be, and that spiritual and religious language, jargon, and even buzzwords are deep wells of truth and beauty. To sanitize our language is to shackle ourselves within a fog, to be content with confusion and ignorance. Pasteurizing our language breeds curiosity. It makes us ask questions and seek answers. It demands that we grow past our former ignorance. My hope for the podcast is that in some small way we can help fulfill Ephesians 4.12 and the following verses. I hope that this podcast can equip the saints for the work of ministry, that is, to build up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, till we are mature persons attaining to the measure of Christ's full stature. So we are no longer to be children, tossed back and forth by waves and carried about by every wind of teaching, by the trickery of people who craftily carry out their deceitful schemes. But practicing the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into Christ, who is the head. From him the whole body grows, fitted and held together through every supporting ligament. And as each one does its part, the body grows in love. I'm very excited about this podcast, and I hope you are too. I can't wait for you to hear the upcoming episodes. Episodes like The Trinity, Hashtag Blessed, God Told Me, and inviting Jesus into your heart. We'll also take some episodes to look through the Bible itself. We'll spend episodes talking about the story of the Old Testament or specific books of the Bible that not many of us really get into. Christianese will come out every two weeks with a new Fathom issue, and each episode will follow the theme of that Fathom issue. You will also be able to find this podcast on iTunes. And you know what? I'll say it. I think this podcast will bless you. Because when we speak Christianly, we honor God, grow into the image of Christ, and encourage others to do the same. That's a win-win-win. Triple goodness, oh. Triple goodness, oh. Fresh, pure, nutritious. Oh, so delicious. This has been a production of Fathom Magazine. To find out more, visit fathommag.com.